0: This is the Trails Church podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel, in community, and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now, here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Galatians chapter 4. There is a date in history that may not be highlighted On your calendar, but is one of the most important days that has ever come to pass, in my humble opinion. The date is December the 26th, 1978. That is the day where Jamie Lynn Kreitz, or Jamie Boswell as you might know her, was brought into the world. Not only was that the date of her birth, it was also the date of her adoption. My in-laws, Martin and Sandra Kreitz, or Martin and Sandra Kreitz, as you might know them. (laughs) They're seated in the back there. Prayed and waited for years to experience the joy of holding their own little girl in their arms. One day they received a phone call where they learned about a little girl, soon to be born in Little Rock, who would need a mom and dad. The Kreitzes traveled from Texas to Arkansas to pick up their newborn daughter, and two days later, she was back home for good. Jamie doesn't remember a time not knowing that she was adopted, yet as she grew up, she also grew in her understanding of what being adopted meant, the significance and security of being a daughter. She told me she always felt special having been adopted because she realized no one had to adopt her. Instead, Martin and Sandra chose her to be part of their family. Today, uh, our four kids and I are the glad beneficiaries of her adoption because, you see, eventually I met Jamie at a wedding and soon after we had one of our own. One of the most influential books outside of the Bible in my life is Knowing God by J.I. Packer, first published in 1973. He devotes an entire chapter of the book to the subject of adoption in the life of a believer. And he writes this, what is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways. But the richest answer I know is that Christian is one who has God as father. He goes on to write, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. As I read those same words this week that I have read many times before, My heart was overwhelmed with this reality of the importance for you and me, for us as sons and daughters of God, to deeply grasp our adoption. I wonder how many of us could say that the reality of having been adopted by God changes our entire outlook on life. And so what I pray happens this morning is we look at God's word that we might at the same time tighten our grasp on the doctrine of adoption while at the same time warm our hearts around the truths that we've been chosen by God, welcomed into his very heart, placed in his forever family. What does it mean to you to have been adopted by God? In Galatians 4, 4-7, the Apostle Paul highlights not only the wonders of the Incarnation and the reality of our redemption, as wonderful as those truths are, but ultimately points to the adoption that we've received through Christ. This spiritual adoption that we've experienced gives us a new identity. It draws us into an intimate relationship with the living God. And ultimately, it transforms how we live in the world. We'll explore our subject under two headings. First, the story of our adoption. And second, the blessings of our adoption. If you're able, would you stand to your feet as we read together God's holy and inerrant word? Galatians 4, 4-7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Let us first think together about the story of our adoption. Perhaps like me, you love to hear heartwarming stories of adoption gone well. And if we had time this afternoon, we could gather here again and spend hours sharing stories, showing photographs of adoptions just within our church family, and that would be a wonderful use of an afternoon. Praise the Lord for every one of those children. What I want to show you from our passage is this. Each of us who have been born again into Christ also have our own story of adoption. And it is a wonderful story. How did it happen? Let me tell you from this passage. If you step back and take in our text, you'll notice that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all mentioned in this adoption. The passage provides an excellent example of the Trinity in unity involved in the work of our salvation. We begin first with the unmerited love of the Father. Verse 4, the unmerited love of the Father. Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. This is a pregnant phrase that points both to the perfect timing of God's plan of salvation and to the identity of this baby who was both son of God and son of man. It tells us that God sent his son and the result of his arrival, but what it doesn't quite mention is the motivation of what caused this to occur in the first place. To find that, we turn to another of Paul's letters that describes why the father went to such extravagant lengths. Beginning in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, You might want to turn there and see it for yourself. Paul writes this. In love, first two words, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. There we find the key that unlocks the door. What motivated God? Love. Our adoption story begins with a loving father who in love predestined us for adoption, is what Paul says. In other words, he set his love on us. He chose us, not because of anything that we'd done to earn or merit this love, But he simply loved us because he chose to. The next step in our adoption process required the redeeming work of the son. We see this in verse 5. We learn here how this baby born in Bethlehem was also born under the law to redeem, purchase, win back, buy back all of those who were under the law. What comes into focus here is the great purpose in God sending His Son. Jesus came at the appointed time to redeem His people from the law, from sin, and from death. How did He do that? Well, with His life, He fulfilled the law of God. And then He died for those of us who never could. John Calvin called this the wondrous exchange The wondrous exchange, the righteousness of Christ himself credited to us while at the same time the sinfulness of our lives laid on him. And this is the heart of the gospel. Jesus lived in our place, fulfilling the law's demands, and then died in our place, bearing the penalty that we deserved. And on the third day was raised to life again in our place so that one day you and I might know the resurrection to come. We have been redeemed through the Son. The final step in our adoption story includes the sending forth of the Spirit. Verse 6, notice it was not only the Son who was sent to us, there's another advent as well. We've seen this already in the book of Acts. The Spirit of Christ is sent by the Father to then take up residency within our hearts, to dwell within us. Now, because of the redeeming work of the Son and the sending of the Spirit, you and I have an entirely new relationship with God that we didn't have before this all happened in us. We weren't born children of God. We were born enemies of God, Scripture says, but now things have completely changed with our relationship to God. The language we're taught to use here is that He is our Father. And here we meet one of the most tender realities of our adoption. The Almighty Maker of heaven and earth has taken us into his very heart, has placed us in his family. He's invited us to draw near, to call him Abba, which is an ancient Aramaic term still used today. It carries the idea of small children crying out to their daddy. That's the closest English word we have to Abba. But Timothy George is is helpful to point out that this term Abba is not so much associated with infancy as intimacy. This is a term of nearness. This is a term of communion with God, of knowing him, of being fully known by him. And that happened through the redemption of the Son and the sending forth of the Spirit. Johnny Gibson explains that what we see with this whole orbit of our adoption in this passage is the circle of salvation starts with the Father in sending the Son, and the Spirit closes in communion with Him as newly adopted sons cry, Abba, Father. If this is a story that sounds too good to be true, and sometimes it does even to me, I'm here like a gospel messenger to proclaim to you this is absolutely true. And if you're in Christ, this is exactly what's happened to you. You have been adopted by God the Father, through God the Son, by God the Spirit. If you don't have a good grip on your adoption, if that's not something that you woke up this morning thinking about, it may be wise just to rehearse your story, to think about your baptism, to remember when God revealed to you his love, saved you by his irresistible grace. Recall the moment when you first met Jesus. Go back to a season of your life where you felt the spirit's nearness this week i i saw a, a photograph of that day of jamie's adoption and my heart just welled up with gratitude and remembrance you may not have physical photographs of these times in the past but you have memories of them you have experience of them pull those out remember them rehearse them and ask the Lord that he would cause your understanding of what happened in you to become more vivid and rich to you. That you might respond with praise to his glorious grace. That's where Paul takes all of that, by the way, if you keep reading that passage in Ephesians 1, I pointed you to. It's not so that we might receive an ounce of the glory for anything that's happened to us, but to the praise of his grace glorious grace how good is our adoption story under the second heading let's examine some of the blessings of this adoption we've looked at the passage expositionally I've shown you what it says now I want us to look at it devotionally And show you what it means in the life of a child of God. One of the phrases that I I often come to when thinking about blessings that have become ours in Christ is the phrase gospel gifts. We don't have time to look at all of these gospel gifts that are ours now because of our adoption I'm just going to give you 3 of them, but I want them just to start a conversation so that as you leave this place, you might just gather up more of them on your own. And praise God for all that he's given you because of your adoption. The first blessing, the first gospel gift is our adoption is the affection of the Father. The affection of the Father Before we read how wonderful it is to know and experience the affection of our Heavenly Father, we must first recognize that not everyone knows this affection. It's common in our culture to refer to all human beings as children of God. But that isn't quite right. It's true everyone was created by God. Every human being is worthy of dignity and respect because they bear the image of God. They were made in the image of God. But not everyone is a child of God. That's only true of those who have been born not only once, but twice. Born first naturally, but then born supernaturally. Born from above. Let me show you this in the Bible. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, put it like this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So notice, not everyone is a child of God, only specific people. What is the qualification to be a child of God? It's laid out right there for us those who have received the gift of Christ, those who have believed on him as their only hope for salvation, those are the children of God. I was working on, I was working on my sermon this week and laying there by the fire was Caden who uh, says he was studying for a final. And uh, I distracted him at one point by starting this song that we we taught them when they were still just all in diapers. Um, And it starts off, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. And then I asked him, I said, do you remember the rest of that passage? He goes, yeah. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. And he asked, is that last part, and so we are, is that actually part of the text or did you add that to make it rhyme? It actually didn't rhyme. But one of the earliest things I wanted my children to know is the affection of their father would fail. But the affection of their heavenly father would never. Never. Your father may have failed in many ways. Your heavenly father never once. I'm glad we have a video of our kids running around in their diapers singing that truth. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Do you feel the Father's warm affection smiling down over your life? He doesn't feel an ounce of regret for what he's done in redeeming you in adopting you. He's never thought twice about it. That matter was settled long ago. And so in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your suffering, don't hang your head low in shame. The gospel lifts our gaze to look our affectionate Father right in the face, knowing we are beloved in the Son. The next blessing that's ours as God's children is access through the Son. I'm keeping this Trinitarian theme because it's right there in the text and I don't want to move on from it. Access through the Son. Because of Jesus, you have been given access into the very burning, holy presence of God Almighty. Hebrews chapter 4.16 describes it like this. Let us then... With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. That's the access that is yours because of the blood of Christ that was spilled on your behalf. At any time, you can go to your Father in prayer. Tim Keller illustrates this so beautifully. He once wrote, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. That's the kind of access that you have to your heavenly father. This astonishing right of entry into the presence of God is, is not a minor emphasis in the New Testament. We who belong to Christ, we who know God as Father, we who belong to the family of God can approach Him without fear, always certain of His fatherly concern and care for us. This is not a small gospel gift. We have access, because of our adoption, to the Father at any time. The last gospel gift I'll mention for now is this, assurance by the Spirit. Assurance by the Spirit. I mentioned in my email last night, in order to prepare for corporate worship this morning, you would do well to read all of Romans chapter 8. If you want to turn there in your Bible, I'm going to focus on just two verses at this point. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How do we know if we're a son, a daughter of God? Well, we've received the redemption that's come through Christ, and now the Spirit at work in us, the Spirit dwelling within us, bears witness with our spirit that this is what we are. We are the children of God. I thought about John Wesley this week, who, for uh, he's already actively engaged in public ministry, but he knows he's not yet been born again. And then he comes to faith in Christ one remarkable day. Looking back on the whole account, he said, I was doing all of these things as a slave. But when I came to receive the mercy and grace of Christ, I was able to do them as a son. The Spirit bore witness in him. That might be you. You might have been doing things as a slave, trying to earn God's approval, trying to earn God's affection. And there must come a point, I pray there comes a point, where you give it all up and instead fall into the grace of Christ, trusting Christ and Christ alone, not living like a slave, but living like a son, and that you would know the assurance that is yours because of being adopted by the Father through the Son, by the Spirit. It's customary for gifts to be given when a child is born or an adoption has happened. These gospel gifts, these blessings that are rightly ours because of the adoption that we've received, kids, these aren't like those presents sitting under the tree where you still have to wait a whole eight days to open them. No, these are ours meant to be enjoyed today and tomorrow and throughout eternity. Well, I, I, don't, I don't feel those blessings, you might say. I've trusted in Christ, but I'm not living in what you're talking about here. I want to point you to an old Puritan named Thomas Manton who, who once wrote this. The spirit of adoption is in some weak and therefore not as perceptible as it is in others. But all God's children have the spirit of adoption, though not all have the sense of feeling it. They have the spirit of comfort, though not the comfort of it. And so I wonder if you don't know the comforts of the affection of the Father, of access through the Son, of assurance through the Spirit. I wonder if those feel like gifts that just aren't yours. And here I would just encourage you to pray and to meditate on this passage and many like it that bear witness to the same truth And that you would come to know the realities of these comforts. So for those of you who struggle with believing that God would choose you, or dare to call you his son or daughter because you don't measure up, or your faith isn't as strong as another person, or a track record of secret sin in your past, Packer again says there's two measuring sticks that he gives to you, that God gives to you. There's the cross and your adoption. So, if you want to know the affection of the Father, look to the cross. If you want to know the affection and love of the Father to you, look to your adoption and rest in knowing that this is yours. And for those of us who forget to enjoy these blessings, for those of us who are prone to wonder and prone to forget, this passage just calls us to remember. And when you feel the pull to add to the grace of God given you in Christ, that's what Paul's getting at here. Remember, there's a group of people in the church saying, if you're a real Christian, you'll not only believe in Christ, but you'll also believe in your works for him as a part of your salvation. And he's saying, no. No, we've got to resist this pull to try to earn our significance through our performance. That's not where we find significance, not through what we can do for God but in what he has done for us. So don't go back. Don't go back trying to earn your way. Look to Christ who has freely paid it all. As I thought about this moment, surely there are a couple of you in this room even right now who feel like you might have wandered in on a, on a family meeting that you weren't invited to. And We're talking about all of these things that you're not quite sure about. But today even could be the day that you join the family of God. Earlier, I mentioned this important day on the calendar of my life. Today could be the most important day on the calendar of your life. The day where you walked into this cafeteria, a spiritual orphan, an enemy of God, but leave a son, a daughter. How do you do that? How would you leave that way? By coming to the end of yourself. By repenting of the sins you've committed. And by trusting in Jesus. In Jesus alone. And immediately your heart will be made new. You'll move from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. You'll be born from above. You will be adopted as a treasured child. Of a living God. I vividly remember a couple of years ago, a caravan of people from the trails traveling over to Collin County Courthouse. We were there to stand with Micah and Whitney Rushley and to witness a judge proclaim them the legal parents of Levi and Lydia Rushley. After 1,044 days, Of these two children living under their roof, the Rushley children were eager to welcome a new brother and sister into their family. Before the final ruling was pronounced, the attorney asked the parents if they'd come to seek a legal, permanent, parental relationship with these two children. Micah and Whitney both said, yes, that's why we're here. And then the judge asked Levi and Lydia if they wanted to stay in this home and for this to be their parents forever. With joy, they both said, yes. As a part of the adoption, both of their names were legally changed and each of them leaned into the microphone and yelled very loudly their new names with such confidence of what was happening in that moment. And then... In the years that have passed, surely they've grown in their understanding of that adoption. They know who they are. They knew who their forever, ever parents are. My prayer this morning is, as we come to the close of this study of Scripture, that each of us who are in Christ might look again with wide-eyed wonder at the legal, permanent, parental relationship That God, by his own free will, has chosen to have with you. What a remarkable thing. I pray that each of us would lean into the Christian life with a sense of confidence and identity that only comes from grasping the reality of our adopted state and growing in our understanding of all that means for us, I pray that you would know who your forever faithful father is and what that means for you as a son, a daughter of God. Pray with me. Lord, help us to take the truth of this passage And stand on it by faith. Help us to take it into our hearts. And to respond. I pray that the power of the risen Christ and the nearness of the Holy Spirit would enable this to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org.